Um, Exodus chapter uh, 3 is where uh, we're going to be. And so we, we've been going through this All of Life series um, as a church, and then we kind of went into, as we followed the church calendar, uh, talked about Ascension Sunday, and then last week we, uh, we finished on Pentecost Sunday, and then in the summer uh, we're going to be going through the book of John. And so I'm sandwiched in uh, between uh, those Sundays and, and where we're going, and as I was wrestling about um, where uh, the Lord may take us uh, this morning, um, I couldn't help but think about the book of John and the I am statements of Jesus. And so as, as Jesus goes, he'll be making these I am statements. And we're going to see this morning that that I am statement finds its origin or finds its uh, original meaning in Exodus chapter chapter 3. And so uh, if you're going to be preaching uh, throughout the summer and you come across those I am statements, I'll just go and say uh, you're welcome. Uh, because all you can do is point back to Memorial Day weekend and say, hey, we talked about this uh, in Exodus chapter 3. But I love the book of Exodus. I love, I love um, how God uh, has gone on record in redeeming his people and using a guy named, named Moses uh, from the very beginning who was a helpless baby, uh, used a mom to put uh, that baby into the river, which was three months old, by the way. So let that sink in a little bit for all the moms in the house. Can you imagine having a three-month-year-old son? who you had to place into a river or into some form of water to protect your child from Pharaoh. The Israelites were multiplying. Pharaoh sees what's happening and he says, hey, I, I, I've got to do something about this. I got to wipe these people out. So I'm going to start with the most innocent form of life at the beginning. And I'm going to start with the male child. And Moses is spared. He goes, the, the, the deliverer uh, that who God is going to use goes into the oppressor and now is adopted into their home. And so he grows up into an, uh, an adopted family there in, in royalty and he becomes in power. He knows he's an Israelite and he says there in Exodus chapter 2, he sees something going on and he sees that, the, that his, uh, his Jewish uh, brothers were being beaten by an Egyptian in, in, in typical Moses fashion who gets angry. Uh, he, he looks at that and says, no more of that, kills the guy, buries him in the sand, thinks he gets away with it, and then finds out that people know about it, and he flees. And we find him in Exodus chapter 3. Uh, if you've got, you got your Bibles, let's go ahead and just read it uh, right there. Um, it says this in Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb. The mountain of God. And so there we find Moses, who was once in, in royalty, now is going to the Mount of Horeb with a bunch of sheep. Which, according to Acts chapter 7, like, but Moses has been out there for about 40 years. Between Exodus 2 to Exodus 3, 40 years have happened. All right? And not only does he not only have his own sheep, but the Bible says that he has, and he's uh, uh, pastoring or he's shepherding these sheep that aren't even his own. It's his father-in-law's. Doesn't have any money. Now he has a family. He's living off the in-laws. Y'all, I don't know about y'all, but when I think about being 40 plus year, years of age, I don't want to be living off my in-laws. Like that would be an all-time low for me. Not only is he living off his in-laws, but he's a murderer. He's an outcast. And now he's in this desolate place with some sheep. And so good news this morning. If you come uh, this morning thinking, uh, maybe I'm, I'm a little afraid this morning. Uh, I'm afraid of being uh, found out. Maybe you're hiding this morning, or maybe you feel like you truly don't belong. Maybe you yourself feel like an outsider. Good news that this God comes to those uh, who are on the outside, on the fringes, and does a work even in the midst of the wilderness. 
So I don't know what wilderness you find yourself in this morning, but the main point that we're going to be talking about is this, is that our story is to be lived from the I am's greater story. That's it, y'all. Memorial Day weekend, Sunday, May 27th is about this, that the I am is, it has a greater story and he invites us into this story. There's a bigger and better story in the gospel that God invites us into. And that church is the place we are intended to live. With this main point, point number one is this, is that the I am is at work in the wilderness. He's at work in a time where Moses could have checked out. He could have allowed his circumstances to get the best of him. I mean, he's doing mundane work. He's hanging out with sheep, just sheep. It just says that he's just alone in the wilderness, in this desolate place. The daily grind of work of every day, and yet God comes and he meets us where Moses is. That God meets us where we are too, not where we think we should be. That Moses could have, man, if I only had this, could you imagine be living out there and thinking like what I once had, and then now to have nothing, not even to, to be able to provide for his own family. Yet God meets him where he is, not where he thinks he should, he should be. Because Moses had to go through some, some preparation work. God had to humble the man before the man could step up and lead. That he humbles us before uh, he invites us uh, to lead. And so uh, as I thought about this, this wilderness, as I thought about man, where Moses is, I thought about this, this wilderness of paralysis. That I, if I was trying to think and put myself in Moses' shoes, not only is he living off the in-laws, not only does he not have anything or anything to his name, but that would, that would, like, the temptation would be to not have any purpose in life. Like what would really be the point and some of us may be there this morning, that we may be in this wilderness of paralysis, of this lack of purpose or these low moments. I mean, it's May 27th and like summer is around the corner and like the wilderness of the hot summer heat is coming and your kids are going to be coming to you constantly be asking, hey mom, dad, I'm bored. Like, what can we do? Like th that wilderness is coming. There's some paralysis amongst your kids that's about to happen. Parents, are you ready for it? Uh, you're like, no, don't even go there. Like we're not even there yet. All right, don't, 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 take, don't take me there. All right, because I was at a party last night and it was hot, y'all. Like already in, in May, like it is scorching hot. And there's Moses there in the scorching heat of this wilderness. So I don't know if you've lost your job this morning. I don't know if you've had your job and you're bored with it. I, I, I don't know if you've been hurt this morning. I don't know if you've been single for X amount of years and you're just kind of tired of it. I don't know if you've lost a loved one. I don't know if you've been through divorce. I don't know what your story is, but when the darkness is closing in on us and you're tempted to shut down and shut everyone out, God is at work in the wilderness, exactly where we are, not where we think we should be. Now he's at work. And y'all, that provides a bigger story to live in than our small little stories. Y'all, I need that big story because I could go to a dark place real quick. That I need the bigger story. I need to cling on to something because if I don't have anything to cling on to, like I got myself and myself ain't enough. I need King Jesus to provide perspective and I need his purpose. I need his glory and I need his kingdom advancement, not Aaron's advancement. Not Grove Church's advancement, but the name of Jesus and that advancement going out, that's our purpose, to make much of Jesus and to find our delight in him. How delighted are you in him this morning? Or have your circumstances got the best of you? Because there where we struggle to find purpose, y'all, there is a well 
in the midst of the wilderness, that the I am is at work. Even when we don't feel it, trust in him. He's got you. He's working. He's wooing. He's winning. And he's fighting for the transformation of your heart and your Christ-likeness. When that baby wakes up in the middle of the night and starts crying, you're like, Aaron, I don't know about that. I don't know if he's at work in the midst of all this. But parenthood is a big old fat invitation to say uh, to a death to self. I'm going to chisel some things out of you, parents, uh, that I'm going to bring to light. I know there's some longings in you that I'm going to uh, not allow you to have in order for you to to cling to me all the more, to embrace him, to, 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 to take him and to behold him, that God withholds desires of our heart so that we can take hold of him. Look with me. She said, wrote Moses is in the wilderness. Verse two, it says this, and the angel of the Lord appeared. Good news. After 400 years of silence, the Lord appears to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked And behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Literally within the text, within within the Hebrew, Moses is out there in the bush and he sees the sight and he almost becomes curious. It's like, hey, look, there's a... There's a bush burning. I'm going to go check it out. And here he goes and he sees in the text says that when he goes to see this, this thing is, is that's when God calls out his name, Moses, Moses. Church, I wonder how many fires God's starting in our lives to get our attention and yet we're missing it. And yet he's waiting for us to turn and go be curious. Have we lost our curiosity this morning? Have we lost our sense of of wonder, that the pressures of this life, of work, and family raising, and retirement, and idleness, or wherever that you may be at in your story, has that got the best of us to where we are no longer curious as to what the Lord is doing in other people because we're, we're so consumed with ourselves. There's a wilderness of paralysis. There's a, a wilderness of being without purpose or struggling without purpose, but there's also, there's a wilderness of busyness too. And both have their isolation. The one that wants to shut down without purpose, have their peace. There's also the the wilderness that says, I'm just going to busy myself with a lot of things. How busy are you, church? Because the the, the question that the, the wilderness of business needs to ask is this, is what am I finding my purpose in? Unhealthy busyness is a lonely, misguided pursuit without God's glory and is rooted in a false sense of, of security? Is your parenting? Is your working? Is your driving? Is your computering? That's not even a word, but I just use it. Your time on the computer, is it your resting, your eating, or your drinking done with God's glory and his security? Because without God's glory and the security that he provides, we will use our jobs, we will use our parenting, and we will use our fun as means to find identity in. And we will just be, we'll just be busy. We'll just be constantly doing things. And so I have a list of questions I want to ask you just to kind of do a self-check. The first question is this. Is it difficult to prioritize time with Jesus before starting your day? I don't know about y'all, but I love my wonder list checklist. I don't know if y'all have wonder list, the app. I would highly recommend it. Uh, but when I got that app, I got some things that I need to do. And when you click things that you get done, done, it makes a little bing, little ding. 
And I love that noise. I love getting on my computer, and I love marking things off the list. And sometimes, I know I'm a little crazy, that's okay, I'll wake up in the morning and I'm thinking about Wonderlist. I'm thinking about what's on my to-dos, I'm thinking about that sound, and I really want to hear it to knock some stuff out. Because I find fulfillment in that. I find fulfillment in getting things in. I think we've been created for work, and I think work is a great thing. But when that becomes our identity or our measure of success based upon the day outside of God's glory and finding security in him, we have an idol that's creeping in our hearts. Y'all with me? Y'all tracking with me? Do work and do it to the glory of God. But also, watch how, how much fulfillment and satisfaction you get out of it. Do we prioritize time with Jesus? Do we behold his face before we ask for things for him to give us? Do we prioritize with him? Do we, rest? Do we linger? Some of y'all think, I don't got time to linger. Like, we all drive. We all have a, a radio station. Uh, mine doesn't even have Bluetooth or one I can plug in with my headphones. But I, I use my truck as a means just to, to spend time with God as I'm going. I try to. I try, I try to create my truck as a sanctuary. Now, if you actually looked at my truck, uh, you wouldn't think it's a sanctuary. Uh, it's a 2001 uh, uh, t- Toyota Tundra. I just got to wave somebody who has a Toyota Tundra. But that guy's truck, not that I'm coveting or I'm jealous, looks a lot better than mine because mine needs a paint job. On the outside, it's coming apart. It's not going to have the, the right color on the hood. Uh, if you go actually go inside of it, um, it smells like uh, old man and coffee. That's the best, best way I can describe it. And my wife's like, hey, we may need to like clean up in here. Like go t- actually take it to a vacuum and like vacuum some stuff out. Like there may be ants in here. Like, hey, me ants in the Lord. That's my sanctuary, y'all. That's where I connect with Jesus. That's where I have to. Because y'all, if I don't, again, if I don't plug into the greater story and I get so fixated on my small story, y'all, I'll, I'll go to a place I shouldn't go. And yet we see within the text God taking initiative and coming to us in our wilderness of busyness to say, hey, I want to spend time with you. Will you spend time with me? Is it difficult for you to be at home, church, and not to be thinking about the job or thinking about your emails? I love GroupMe. I think it's a great way of communication. Uh, But y'all, we can get glued to that thing real quick. I'll just start out as a confession. The mass amount of communication, not only amongst the church, books, Facebook, as much as we are glued to our phones, the fact that God invites us to take up and look around and see what he's doing, it's almost like we can't. Sometimes I'll be driving on the road, and I think my phone's ringing, and it's not. It's, it's just there. And apparently that's like a, like that's a thing. Like that's probably a problem, uh, maybe a sign of, hey, you maybe like your phone too much because uh, it's not actually ringing. It's like this phantom vibration thing, I think is what they call it. Or I just may have made that up. I don't know. But there it is. I'm, I think it's going off, and it's not because I've become so attuned to grabbing my phone, seeing what's going on, and being what's going on in the communication, what's going on in the world, and, and, and constantly thinking about what I need to do next. Church, do you have friends? Like, for real, do you have friends? Like, or, or is it hard for you to be around people because we're thinking about what I need to do? Or really, when it comes to relationships, it's hard to check some things off a box because it's just messy. But God invites us to come, to be in relationship, to be in community, and to maybe not be so busy. What are you OCD about? which stands for obsessive compulsive disorder. I'll go first. I'm obsessively compulsive, a lot of disorder, and uh, the dishes. Like, I can't stand that there's dishes in the sink. I need some counter space. I need to go, I, 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 and I'll, I'll go in, and I'll just get really busy with some dishes. I, I just can't do it. Like, there's something about it. Like, I, I need, you're like, well, well, 
come on over. I would love to have you do some dishes this Memorial weekend. I hear you preacher man up front, but let's put this into action. No, y'all, it can be a problem. I, I get busy in some dishes and my wife's over there on the couch like, hello, I'm here too. I'm like, I know, but like, I know I just got home. I know you just got home. I know it's been a long day, but like the dishes though, man, we got to get those things. We got to scrub those things. The counters like got to be open. We got to enjoy our counters. You know, we got to clear some things and be able to see them. And y'all, it's a problem. Um, and, 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 and my wife just says, hey, why don't we hang out a little bit? Why don't we talk? Why don't we get to know each other? But y'all, I can get busy doing some dishes, and I think we can get busy in a lot of things. And all I could think about this morning, talking about busyness, is I thought about Martha. And I know she takes a bad rap in the Bible, but uh, man, I identify with her so much because she opens up her home, invites Jesus to come dine, and, and, and Mary, her sister, is all enjoying Jesus while Martha's got all the work to do. And there in the text, y'all, this is why you should read your Bibles, because it's just, it's so, it's so, it's so good. That Martha looks over at Mary and says, hey girl, we got some dishes to do. Like we got something, we got to busy ourselves. I know Jesus is here. He's a big deal. I get it. I know. I know. But we got to do some things. And she looks at Jesus and says, hey, tell my sister to come help me do this. And he says to her, oh, Martha, Martha. He can actually say that's maybe how I read it. Oh, Martha, Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her, which is me. It's spending time with me, King Jesus. So what it looked like to come out of this Memorial Day weekend, maybe this morning thinking about, is how, how can we prioritize the person of Jesus and prioritize relationships without finding ourselves in this wilderness of busyness, leaving people behind and maybe even Jesus. Oh, Martha, Martha, come enjoy me. Our main point this morning is our story is to be lived from the I am's greater story. Number one, the I am is at work in the wilderness. And number two is that the I am gives us a new story to live in. Read with me in the Bible. It says this, Moses looks, he sees the bush. He gets curious about it. Moses, uh, his name is called out from this bush. Not only is the bush <laughs> burning, uh, not only is it uh, and not being consumed, but it knows Moses' name. It's calling him out by name. He's calling us by, out by name. And, and it says in verse 5, then he said, the Lord said to him, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And y'all, I just had to pause right there a little bit because I just began to ask this question as we were talking about this morning and before we started a gathering is how do we prepare for worship? That God reveals himself and he says, hey, Moses, like take a step back, like take a step back. lest like I break out, like, like hold up, revere me in my, in my holiness. Like this is holy ground. And as we come to church on Sunday morning is, is how, how are we preparing our hearts to worship? Are we allowing our circumstances to dictate our worship? He says, hold, hold up, Moses. I'm about to do something here. And he said, I am the God of your father, verse 6, and the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at, at God. I think it's interesting that God reminds Moses, which I've always kind of read over, but he reminds him first and foremost that I am the God of your father. And I thought about Moses' story. And I thought about, does Moses even know his dad? I mean, the only thing that's recorded about him is that he's a Levite. 
he, he, got, he got a girl pregnant, and then the, like, the mom's at work, and where's the dad? Like, the mom's the one doing and hiding and praying and even gets to nurse him like, later. Like, where, where's the dad? And it's almost like we're left to assume, like, I, I don't know for certain, right? So I want to be clear about that, but we're, we're almost left with this, this dad who is not there. Maybe there later, I don't know. But the first thing, first and foremost, that God reminds Moses of is that, hey, I'm the God of your father. I know you haven't had a dad. I know you've been adopted. I know you've been among strangers. I know you've been not even been a, in, in a household to, to be comfortable. You don't even look like the people that you are in family with. You don't even look like it. You don't even really belong. But hey, I have been with you. You're part of my family, Moses. I, you, you belong to me. I part, I've been with you. I've been for you. I've been with you this entire time, man. I brought you out. You've been this 40 years. I've been prepping you. I've been preparing you. I know it seems like a waste. I know it seems like, uh, man, it's just kind of the day-to-day grind. I, I know it's just like another day, another dollar. I know. I know you've been there. I know what's going on. But hey, I've been with you. I've, been, I've adopted you. I am the God of your father. That we must embrace first God as our father in order to be a father ourselves, dads. That, he would, that we would allow him to, to father us. And he exposes Moses to this big story. Say, I'm the God of your father has been gone. But I'm also the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Jacob. And I'm the God of Isaac. Why would God do that? Because God is inviting Moses into a bigger story. It's a bigger story than you know. It's a big, bigger story, man. I know you've been without. In church, families, parents, how are we exposing our children to the, to the legacy that connects the nations and the generations? Y'all, it's big. It gets much more than your, just, your small little house, which I know is a house and it can seem really big at times, but if we don't expose our kids and our students to the big story of God, to the God of Jacob, to the God of Isaac, and to the God of Abraham, we will train them to be consumed with themselves without thinking big. I love telling students, man, think big. Not go like, like prosperity kind of stuff to go think and fulfill your dreams. No, like think big in the fact that God went on record and coming and dying for you so that you may experience life and life to the fullest, to experience his kingdom, to a kingdom that's so much bigger than us, to be a part of, of his purpose. Church, expose your family to the greater story that connects the generations. Will we pass on this legacy? Will we pass on God's faithfulness. Moses, man, I'm on a record of being a a father to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. I'm going to be here with you too. Look at verse 7. He says this, then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land. A land flowing with milk and honey. Mm-hmm, that sounds good right there. A land flowing with milk and honey. To the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and maybe some termites. I don't know. One of them in there. And now behold, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Church, God is intimately aware of what you're going through. He knows how stressful your job is. He knows you have a difficult child to love. He knows your bank accounts. He hears your cries and he hears your groanings. 
And what we need to just come around this morning is that he has not come to deliver us out of our circumstance, but comes to dwell with us in the midst of our circumstances to give us a new story to live in. A bigger story. A greater story. He comes to bring us to the Son. To behold his face. To worship Jesus. And to find our delight in him. This is the story that we live in. As I, th- I thought about just, the, just God being intimately aware with where we're at, that he hears the cries of his people, he sees what's going on, and he actually does something about it. I thought of Psalm 40 when David writes this. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. And he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. And many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Church, do we wait patiently? I think with, like, with Google and I think as just where we're at as a culture, like we have information at our fingertips. We can even have instant gratification as much as we want, as much as that is available to us. I don't know if we know how to be patient. I mean, go, out, go drive on like Houston traffic or go drive, or not even just Houston anymore, y'all. Like it's right here in our own backyard. Like 99 is just a mess. I don't even care. I got family in Katy, and I love you guys, but I can't stand 99 traffic. Like for me, my, my impatience comes out. But do we, do we wait patiently on the Lord because we've been so trained to get things like quickly now when we want it? I mean, like, like, like going through the fast food McDonald's, man. Y'all are like, oh, I don't go to the fast food McDonald's. You do, because about 3 billion people go to McDonald's a day, apparently. So we go to McDonald's, and we're, we're keenly aware of how immediate things we, get, we, we can get. It. But yet, David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Waited patient. Could you say that you have waited patiently for the Lord in the midst of your darkness, church? Whatever darkness that you are experiencing, would you, would you wait for him? Would you be patient because he's coming. And not does he recline, but he inclines. And he hears our cry. And he draws us up from the pit of destruction, out of the confusion, out of the miry bog of this culture. I'm trying to figure things out. And he says, no, I've come, and I'm going to set your feet upon a rock. What are you finding your security in? Where's, where, where, what, what, what is it in our lives that we're finding security in our bank accounts or in our, how well we're parenting or, or how, how, how things are going or our success or whatever? I mean, what, what are you finding security in? Because God invites us to say, okay, come find security in me. And I'm going to give you a new song. I'm going to give you a new, y'all, I love new song. I love music. As you can tell, I talked about my truck a little bit earlier. I, I, lo- I love some music. I, I, I love listening new songs. We need worship leaders who give us a new song. A, a, a new song, but also an old song too. Because I remember like, as Bo was leading, Jesus paid it all. I couldn't help but think, I mean, I've sang that song a long time. I've sang that song for years. Because it reminds us of this, this, bigger, this bigger story. That in the midst of, of the mundane and the daily grind of child rearing and jobbing and all that we do, that God reminds us that there is a, there's a bigger story. There's a new song, a new song in my mouth and many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Many. Y'all, I want to be a part of seeing many putting their trust in the Lord. I want to see that. Like I don't want to be so busy that I, that, that I miss out on what God is doing. 
I don't want to be so consumed myself. I got a serious case of FOMO, y'all. Like, for, I'm, for, I am fear of missing out on the kingdom. Like that, I don't want to miss it. Because I know how easily I, I, can, I can just become so consumed with my world. Yet yeah, God invites us to say, no, nah, y'all, I'm doing something. I'm advancing this kingdom. I'm making all things new. Hey, would you come be a part? Would you, would you come be a part? Many will see and come to trust the Lord. I got invited to a pool party yesterday, and y'all, like I said, it was hot. Um, and all, all this family did is they just opened up their home. They got a sweet pool in the back, and they said, hey, neighbors, uh, we're going we're gonna to have a pool party um, and nothing, like no agenda. We're just going to come hang out. And so uh, there in the, uh, at, the, at the house, um, I didn't even ask for her permission, but it was actually the Ames' house, Jenny and Steve. And so I rolled up. I'd never been to Jenny and Steve's house. Uh, and so I, 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 I was hoping it was their house. And so I walked in. Uh, they had a little arrow pointing to the gate uh, to go around the back. And I said, okay, this can be really weird if this really isn't their house. And so I'm kind of walking in like this. And like, I'm like, I shouldn't be walking like that. That's even more creepy. So I just act like I own the place uh, as I rolled in there. And uh, I didn't know much of anybody, but I, I just began just to have conversation with people and ask questions, y'all. To be willing to ask questions, to put yourself at risk and be okay with silence. Instead of like trying to fill it and just trying to allow that, that anxiety to get the best of us. To just hear people's stories over burgers and hot dogs and kids and just the chaos to invite people into a bigger story. We first have to hear their story to invite them into the bigger story. Because we got to allow that gospel to penetrate exactly where they are. And y'all, I wish I could stand before you and say, y'all, there was revival that broke out. People came to know the Lord, but no, relationships were built. And this story, as we connected with our stories, I pray too, as we're available to our neighbors and our networks and the nations, that we would be willing as those, those relationships are built to expose them to the bigger story. Because the I am is at work. And y'all, that takes the pressure off. God is at work in people that I can be simply available to ask questions. Would you ask questions? Would we listen? Our stories to be lived from the I am's greater story. The I am is at work in our wilderness. The I am gives a new story to live in. And lastly, the I am sends us out to tell his story. Look with me in the word. It says this in Exodus 3. Verse 10, Are y'all still with me? Let's go. Verse 10, the Bible says this, come, come on Moses, I'll go with you. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. And I think that at that moment, Moses looked at God and said, yeah, for real? Like, cause that's scary. Like for me to go back there, you want me to go back? And Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. This who am I? Seems noble. Oh, who am I, Lord, that you, that you would send me? But deep at its root, there's this, there's this fear that has creeped in. And now Moses thinks that he is inadequate. Which ultimately, without the Lord, he is inadequate. And this is the beginning of Moses using some excuses. So we talk about sharing our stories. We talk about inviting people and, talk, and talking about the, this greater story of God. There's this fear that, that can creep in and there's these excuses that well, that well up. And Moses' excuse of like, who am I? I think we, we have some excuses ourselves that we use. The first excuse is this, but, but Lord, like you tell me to talk about the, uh, your story, but what if they knew my past? Like what, what if they really knew like, the tr- like who I was before Jesus? What, like what if that comes up and there's this temptation to think that we're inadequate 
But y'all, if we are in Jesus and we have a relationship with him, he has qualified you. Paul says this, it is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualifications comes, comes from God, according to 2 Corinthians 3, 5. That, that, that Paul, a former murderer, persecutor of the church, now says that he has been qualified because his story is met with the bigger story to say that he's going to be sent out to talk about Jesus. So what if they knew my past? God says the old is gone and that new has come. Past is gone and new is here. New song, new identity right here. To live, to live in that. Second excuse is this. Uh, Moses, we'll see here in about a couple of verses, is he looks at God and says, hey, tell me your name again. Like if, okay, if I actually do this thing and I actually go like, what is your name? And y'all been reading, we've been going through the, we've been going through the Bible. Like God has already mentioned that he's the God of his, of his father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Like he's already said who he is. And I think the excuse that Moses is revealing, I think in us is that, that, that if only I knew more about God, God remind me like, uh, and we need some reminders, but I, I, I only God, if I knew more about you. I knew more about your nature. Or maybe if I was more spiritually mature, I hear that too. Maybe, then maybe I'll, I'll, I'll go. Maybe I need more Bible knowledge. Or maybe, you know, maybe I need like a seminary degree. Maybe that will resolve it. Y'all, it won't. No matter how much education you get. No matter how much Bible knowledge. No matter how much Sunday school. No matter how much church attendance that you have. It will never be enough to create a confidence ultimately that you need. Because if your confidence is in that in degrees or education or Bible knowledge, or, and I'm saying all, all those things are okay. I, I'm not saying that they're, they're wrong, but if our identity is that, then we'll talk down to people rather than with people. Y'all with me? They would talk about the story with people. Or maybe he'll use this excuse in, in chapter four. He'll say, but people will think I'm dumb. People will think I'm a liar. Maybe our excuse is, but will people act, what will people actually think of me? If I actually step out and like bring up Jesus in a conversation, like what are people going to think? And then now we become so controlled with approval and fear that no longer are we faithful because we haven't allowed God and what he says about us to propel us forward. Or maybe I'm not smart enough. I'm not really good with my words. God looks at Moses and says, hey, man, I, okay, like I'm, I'm getting angry at this point. I could break out and just end your life right now, but I'm going to be gracious. And I gave you a brother. His name is Aaron. I'm going to come alongside and he's going to be your spokesperson. I got you. I'm I'm with you. It's not about winning an argument, church. God has already won. But loving people where they are and inviting them into the gospel is what God expects out of, of us. And there in verse 12, Moses has his excuses. We all have our excuses. And then God's response in verse 12, but I'm going to be with you, Moses. I will be with you. And this will be a sign that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. That God promises his presence. That in the midst of fear, in the midst of feeling inadequate, not smart enough, not good enough, not holy enough, whatever it may be, God says, hey, I'm going to be with you. And it is his presence that erases fear. It's in his presence. It's essential to, to, to the telling of 
the story. That's why Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I am in him, he will, he will bear fruit. For apart from me, you can do, you can do nothing. He says this in Matthew 10, like the, the disciples who have been following him for however long, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe months, years, just within that bracket, not, not that very long. He says to them, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, but it will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the, it is the spirit of your father speaking through you. Hey, rely on the spirit. I'm going to be with you. I'm for you. I'm going to put the spirit inside you. It's going to dwell. It's going to make its dwelling among you. I'm going to give you words. And y'all, we like words. You don't see there within the text, them look at Jesus and say, hey, I need like a Wayne Grudem uh, systematic theology book to kind of go through, or I, I need some, uh, some Bible study that, 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 that I need to kind of go through to actually be talking about you. And Jesus says, no, the Spirit, the Spirit will give you words. Okay, cool, Jesus. All right, um, I, I, I guess I'll go. Um, and I'm, I'm going to rely on your Spirit. All right, I, I'm going I'm to lean in. Y'all, there's a riskiness to this. And in that riskiness, those desires of security and having a formula, God invites us out of the formula to rely on the Father, to rely on His Spirit. And lastly, right here, Moses is in question. He has excuses. I'm going to be with you, Moses. He says in verse 13, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people, he's still not even sure. He's still kind of in between. That's how gracious God is. The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Moses asked the question, who am I? God responds with, I am. Who, who, who am I? Let me flip that for you, Moses. Hey, where you aren't, I am. Can you imagine that Moses like looking at God and be like, I am what? Like, can you, that's an incomplete sentence, God. Um, actually, what I learned in school, there should be like some, uh, some more to that than just to just I am. He goes, no, I am what I am. I will be what I will be. Which is literally within the Hebrew, to be, to be. Like I am, I've always existed. I am immutable. I am never changing. I am self-existent. I am eternal. I am the creator. I am supreme. I am king, Moses. You aren't. And y'all, this I am statement in John 8, 58, we'll get there. I'll just do a little, just a little sneak peek. But Jesus encounters some religious people. And Jesus says to them in John 8, 58, hey, before Abraham was, because y'all talking about Abraham and him being your father and y'all just y'all having, a, having a party around Abraham rather than a party about God. He goes, hey, before Abraham was, I am. And the Pharisees knew exactly what Jesus was saying. You know why? Because in the following verses, they picked up stones to, to kill him. That Jesus is our great I am. Jesus is sufficient when we are not. Jesus is in charge when we are not. Jesus is in control when we are not. Jesus is holy when we are not. Jesus is compassionate when we are not. Jesus is faithful when we are not. Jesus is wise when we are not. And Jesus is forgiving and gracious when we are are not. Where we lack, Jesus is the I am. God has a greater story. God invites us to live in. He's at work in the wilderness. He gives us a new story to live in, a new song in our mouths, and he sends us out to tell his story. So I'll close with three questions. 
I'm going to invite Bo to come up. He's going to, he may play something over us or he may sing something over us. He's going to invite you into worship. But as, as he does and as he makes his way up here, there's three questions as we reflect on Exodus 3 about this great I am. And the first question is this, is what wilderness are you tempted to live in? The wilderness of paralysis, struggling to find purpose. Circumstances are so loud that it's almost debilitating. It's handicapping. Or is it the wilderness of, of busyness? I just got to do some stuff. I got I to I, I, I be busy. And, and, and he, then Jesus calls out and says, oh, Martha, Martha. Every now and then in my house, I'll hear my wife say, oh, Martha, Martha. And then I'll say it to her. It's kind of go back and forth. Because that's, 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 that's code for, hey, I, I want time with you. Hey, dishes, they'll, they'll, they'll get done. Oh, Martha, Martha. Okay. Spend time with me. Second question is this, is what story do you betray to others? Is it the story of the same O, same O, just another day? Do you show up at work without any story to tell rather than the story of your circumstances and how tired we are? And I know we're tired, y'all. I know. But it's in that tiredness, in that weakness, that God creates a boldness and a strength. He allows us to come to the end of ourselves so that we may live for him. That's what he's doing with Moses in the desert. Moses, you got to come, man. You got to die. So that ultimately you can, you can live. Third question is this, is what excuses do you need to give over to the Lord? Not good enough. If they know my past, I'm going to look dumb, I'm going to look foolish. What excuses do we need to put before the Lord and embrace this, that the I am, he's with us. He's with us. So let's do that. However you respond. Think about this question. You spend time praying. Bo will play. And we'll respond.